Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Halo's Heaven podcast with Dominic Lorenz, Cole Bailey, David Goodkind here with you in free agent frenzy. How's gone on since the last podcast where Noah Syndergaard became an angel? So much has gone down, but not to foreshadow too much as we record this on December 2nd, we're all locked out. Major League Baseball has shut down the owners and commissioner and the players union did not come to a deal as of 11.59 p.m. Eastern time, December 1st. So baseball is on a ginormous pause right now, but that does not prevent us from talking about what has happened and what could potentially happen once baseball reopens its pearly gates and we get closer to 2022 season, spring training, and everything that goes involved with that. So Lots to go in. Cole, David, welcome back in. Aaron Loop, Michael Lorenzen, Rysel Iglesias. This is where we are going to start the conversation today. The Angels moves two bullpens, and Lorenzen is a projected starter at the moment. David, I'll start with you. We really felt Rysel needed to happen, and it did. But with Loop and Lorenzen, what do you like about those two signings? Well, for Loop, you give more insurance and uh, uh, I guess you alleviate the pressure a little bit from Rysel from doing those two inning saves all the time. Loop is a really great like eighth inning guy option right there. So uh, I feel like he solidifies the back end of the bullpen. And for Lorenzen, he's got really good stuff. I know he's coming off a a year of injury and um, didn't have his best stuff last year either. So, but I I anticipate some sort of uh, bounce back year for him. Uh, It's interesting to see that he is going to be slated for the rotation. I don't know if that's going to last. I assume that the the six-man rotation is going to help him a bit. Overall, I think those are two really quality signings and uh, definite net positives for for the team. Yeah, and and before we get to Cole on his thoughts on Loop and Lorenzen, um, Loop gets two years, 17 million. Lorenzen, one year, 6.75 million dollar deal so favorable contracts I thought Loop would get more and Lorenzen I kind of really didn't know what to make of what he could get in free agency so for a 6.75 million dollar deal for one year I'll take that as a favorable contract so with two favorable contracts Cole where do you sit on the Loop and Lorenzen train I'm with David where I was really a fan of the Loop signing especially now that you bring Rysel back because I think you could make an argument that those are well, I think they're obviously two of the best, top five relievers on the market. You could argue two of the top three if you're so bold. But I think that really locks down the last two innings of the game. And we saw that last year. It was just such a struggle getting games to Rysel. Like they were, the stat was there 66-0 and leading after eight innings. But the problem was they couldn't get a lead to the ninth inning a lot of the times because the back end of the bullpen just wasn't where it needed to be. So I think when you bring in loop like that, 
it just makes me feel so much more comfortable with that. And then beyond those guys, I think there's the makings of a good bullpen. You have those locked in. So you're not, you're not relying on Mike Myers in a super high leverage spot anymore. So maybe he gets better with less like responsibility. So I think I'm a big fan of that in terms of the bullpen. Just piggybacking off that point about the back end of the bullpen. Now that you've solidified the eighth and ninth inning with Luke and Iglesias, it kind of alleviates the pressure off pitchers like Austin Warren, who could be maybe a seventh inning guy, or if uh, Myers does take the tendered uh, one-year $2.2 million deal that he was offered, he could be maybe in a lower leverage sixth, seventh inning type situation. And then you have, as Cole, as you put on Twitter, Jose Cayada is a good option in the bullpen, and, and the Angels have options now, and it seems a little more structured. So I like where the bullpen's going. You could bring in another guy to pitch the seventh because there's still a lot of free agent relievers left. That was the one market that we didn't really see move as much as we thought. So I think you have the option to bring in another guy just to make like a really solid bullpen. But I think by bringing Loop and Rizel in, like you don't really have to or you don't have the pressure to go get one of those guys whenever the lockout ends. Andrew and Chafin. Andrew Chafin, the prediction is still alive. Andrew Chafin to the Angels. I'm just going to put that out there now. (laughs) I want to shout you out, though, because last podcast you mentioned mentioned Michael Lorenzen and you mentioned a left-hand reliever. So we have Nostradamus over here. (laughs) I'm happy it worked out that way. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, as for Lorenzen, I think he's more interesting than the the prior one-year deals that the Angels have signed to starters in the past. Just because with guys like Harvey and Cahill and Tehran and Quintana and all those guys, it was either like older guys that you couldn't see much projectability for, or in the case of Harvey, he was still young, but his stuff had pretty clearly started to deteriorate. Whereas Michael Lorenzen's only 29 years old and his stuff is still really good. Like it's pretty easy, high 90s fastball with a pair of pretty good off-speed pitches. So I think in that regard, like, I'm pretty intrigued by that one. Though I do think I might have preferred him to be in the bullpen just because it's been so long since he's been a regular starter. Like, I think the last time time he was a regular starter was 2015. So it's really, like, that's a huge unknown there. I'm fine with him being a back-end starter just because they were going to need one of those at some point this offseason. They couldn't just bring in all top-end guys. So I think... I'm fine with the move and I think it could pay off because he's just got so much upside with the good stuff he has in the age. But I think it was a curious decision to just say right out that he's going to be in the rotation to me. at Right. Least. Yeah. Same. Yeah. It, you know, it's an interesting concept because Joe Madden is so fluid with his roster. He likes to utilize guys in so many different ways. If it's in the batting order, if it's in the pitching rotation, bullpen or starting. Um, so, you know, maybe with the six man rotation, we may see Lorenzen start it sometimes, but maybe in a 10 game in 11 day stretch, maybe Lorenzen gets shifted to the bullpen a little bit, or yeah. maybe somebody else like a Berea or Suarez or Sandoval, or, you know, something in that regard where the fluidity between these pitchers can still work out. Now, what's funny to me is by getting Syndergaard and Lorenzen and pairing them in the rotation with Shohei Otani, the Angels may have the greatest pitching, <laughs> batting combination lineup because those three guys are top seven in Major League Baseball in almost every statistical hitting category for pitchers. 
I find that yeah. extremely hilarious. Go Just go get Granky some... and top it off. Yeah, <laughs> Joe Madden could do some wacky stuff with that if he yeah, so chooses. <laughs> you know, I was telling David before we started this podcast, I said, what if there's a day Otani pitches and he only gets five innings and Lorenzen comes out of the bullpen? You don't need to bring in a bench guy. Lorenzen can bat for Otani and watch. Lorenzen will go pimp out two home runs and call it a game and, and the Angels pick up a nice successful victory that day like that option now is in the arsenal of joe madden that is a scary thought in the most best way possible (laughs) it is great how you can think of that but the angels overall Syndergaard, loop lorenzo and iglesias four moves all pitchers that the angels have done so far in free agency are they flashy moves no are they trashy moves no i feel they're kind of under the radar moves that keep the angels in the direction that they wanted to go. And that was to address pitching. And I feel right. they've addressed the back end of the bullpen. There's still work to be done in the pitching side of things for the angels, but they have addressed needs at the onset here before the lockout. I put out a poll on the Halos heaven account yesterday. And I basically, I listed all those guys and said, that's who they added. And I asked what grade would you give their off season so far and why? And I think 55% of the responses was B. So that was the, the, the consensus generally was that they gave it a B grade, but a lot of the replies said like, love what they did with the bullpen, but they still need one more like front end starter, which I think is what I agree with. Now those options are dwindling a little bit, but I think they've gotten off to a pretty decent start to the off season. Like it's not over by any means, nor should it be, but I think I'm generally a fan of what they've done. It's a very precarious situation because even though we knew the lockout was going to evidently happen we've had a lot of traction within the last two weeks of free agency if the lockout didn't happen i was going to say the winter meetings would have been probably one of the most active winter meetings in a very long time right just based on everything going on now quality on the market too with the exactly with the quality on the market now david's pipe dream that did not come true yesterday was stroman signing a three-year 71 million dollar deal with the cubs and now this transfers into a whole conversation about what could have been stroman's not an angel scherzer's not an angel gossman ray seager simeon alex cobb all these guys are not angels so david i'll start with you and we can kick the tires now on a conversation about stroman there's a lot of pitchers that did not choose the angels out of that group, based on the contract they got with now their current team, who are you shocked that the Angels didn't reel in at the end of the day? You know, it's probably Ray, actually. Um, Stroman really seemed like he wanted to be a Cub. And, you know, it's hard to, to, to argue against, you know, playing at Wrigley and, and all that. Uh, I, I think getting outbid for Ray is pretty bad, especially within the division. And what's worse is the reports that he was supposed to be having dinner with Perry Manassian. So that conversation never happened essentially. So they may not even have put an offer in front of him. So, I mean, we don't know, we don't know what went down, but the fact that they weren't as competitive when, you know, we were hearing that Ray was probably their top target and he went for a pretty fair deal too. So uh, at least at the market value. So I, I was pretty surprised just by the the lack of competitiveness probably for ray yeah and he gets five years 115 million dollars to go to unfortunately an al west rival the seattle mariners who are on the uptick they were a a good surprise last season didn't make the playoffs but 
they're going to be a competitive force in the American League West and in the American League in general. So I agree. Robbie Ray, I think based on being the Cy Young Award winner, five for 115, I felt was a very fair price for a lefty. Was he making Max Scherzer money of three for 150, which is 43 a year with the Mets? No, but I think Robbie Ray is maybe somebody that slips under our fingers a little bit. Cole, is there somebody in that pitching market maybe other than Ray, that you felt maybe slipped through the Angels' fingertips that they could have had? Ray's Ray's the one that comes to mind, as you guys mentioned. Also, I think what made that worse as well was the Ken Rosenthal report that said basically he was atop their wish list. And so the fact that he went to a division rival and they didn't even get their offer in front of him stung a little bit. I think the the one that I'm a little bummed on is Kevin Gossman. Because he got five for 110, which was just a little bit less than Ray. $22 million is really fair for him. And I think he would have given some stability to the rotation that doesn't exist right now, especially with the question marks that are Otani and Syndergaard and Lorenzen, just from an inning standpoint. Gosman's been like one of the highest innings guys over the last two seasons, which I think would have been nice. But I think 22 million would have been fair. And there was a report that they had interest, but obviously we saw him go to Toronto. So I think that's probably the one I'm most upset missing at. I think Stroman as well kind of stings, but as David said, it seemed like he wanted to be in Chicago and that, that contract worked out pretty well for him because he got, I want to say 23 million a year, which was more than what people thought. So that was closer to almost 25. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's 371. Yeah. It's 371 with an option. So he'll be making two for 50 in the first two years. And then it's a $21 million option. So I think that was a very good contract for him. So, but I think the angels could have done that, but I think Gossman's the one that I look at as a missed opportunity because I think he's really good. And I think him sliding in between Otani and Syndergaard as like your heavy innings guy would have been really nice. Oddly enough, those are, Two great guys, Ray and Gossman, I felt, yeah, based on their deals, slipped through the Angels' fingertips. But even more to me, I'm, I might sound like a broken record, but Alex Cobb, two yeah. years, yeah, 29 sure. of the Giants. It felt very yeah. doable, and I believe he got a third-year option with yeah. the Giants. So for Cobb at his age and kind of had a reinventive year after some struggles in Baltimore prior to coming to the Angels, someone with familiarity, someone that came at a cheaper kind of hometown price tag, and you kind of swing and miss. Now, we don't know if the Angels ever had conversations with Cobb and it was like a bidding war. He just chose the Giants over the Angels. We don't know that and we may never know that. But I felt Cobb, I feel's contract could have played in the Angels' favor and could have been a nice little piece. And then maybe the Angels could maybe risk it on somebody like Carlos Rodon or Danny Duffy or Kikuchi or even Grinky or somebody along those lines where you can maybe afford a slight bit of a risk if you brought back somebody like Cobb in that regard. Yeah. yeah. I think what makes that one sting too, is that he talked a lot about how much he liked it. He would have liked to stay like during the season. Like I remember at the trade deadline, he said like, I really didn't want to leave. So I was happy when they didn't trade me. And he talked about later how he wanted to stay. So it seemed like he was very open to coming back. And I feel like he got $10 million a year, which I feel like was, like I said, was very doable and very fair. I don't hate the Lorenzen move as much as other people do. I think it could actually be good, but I think I would have rather them just paid up the extra $3 million to go after Cobb, honestly, because I think he's a pretty known commodity he wanted to stay. So that one was that one was a little questionable as well. I thought they could have done that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's, a tough, it's a tough road. You know, the Angels weren't paying 
we've known this from Perry Manassian. Pitching was the need. They weren't going after a big-time shortstop, and there were some shortstops that left the market. Baez, 6 for 140 with Detroit. Simeon, 7 for 175 with the Rangers. And Seager, 10 for 325 with the Texas Rangers as well. So not only pitchers, but position players have left the board. And the best available players, that list is severely dwindled now. Yeah. Once, once we get to the other side of the lockout, and as I said, the pearly gates open and we can get back to free agency and trades. So before we get into the potential trade market, because I, I think we all three of us agree that if the Angels want an ace or a legit pitcher, they're probably going to have to go the trade market route, probably. Yeah. But based on free agent, best available players, and this is position players, pitchers, you, you take it for what you will. I'll start with you, Cole. On your board, who is best available for the Angels to go after? Any position, pitcher, outfield, infield, you tell me who is the best person on the market, best available for the Angels? I'll still go with pitchers because that's obviously still a need even with what they've done. But the free agent market's tough because with that Gosman, Ray, and Stroman tier that we were talking about, they all provided some sort of upside in the rotation, but they also had a pretty high floor just because of the amount of innings that they pitch. But with the guys available, the, the two names that I think are pretty far and away above everyone else are Carlos Rodon and Clayton Kershaw. The problem with those guys is that they both have pretty real injury risk. And when you've already got Syndergaard, who's probably not going to throw a lot of innings, Lorenzen, who hasn't been a starter in a long time, Bringing one of those guys makes the rotation really volatile or volatile because you can't really pinpoint how many innings you're going to get from those guys, but they also are the highest upside. So it's a balancing act there. And then after those guys are, it's more innings eater type that I was mentioning, but it's also a lot lower ceiling like your Zach Granke types. So I still want to see them try to chase Rodon or Kershaw just because I think the upside is very high with those two but I also think it's a pretty big risk which is why I don't love the free agent market once the lockout uh, ends yeah David what do you think so Rodon and Kershaw are, are Cole's preferred kind of angles what are your I, preferred I, angles it's curious because I, I agree in some sense although I I really don't see Kershaw come to the Angels that for me it's no, either I, the Rangers either. Dodgers yeah. or retirement but uh, Rodon makes a lot of sense. Uh, also, there's the argument against it, obviously, with the, with the injury concern. I mean, I don't really want to see Kikuchi. I wouldn't hate the move, but I wouldn't love it either. You know, the, pitch, the pitching market, it's, it's, it's barren, like you said now. It, uh, Granky makes a little bit of sense, but he's not the, the big addition we want. I think if, if we're looking the trade route, uh, you, turn, I mean, you, turn, you turn the eyes towards position players, uh, and there are there are holes to fill in in, in the infield, especially. Um, I think uh, Carlos Correa is probably the most talented player left on the board. I don't know if there's much debate against that. I think the better fit for the Angels, money wise and probably position wise, is, is actually uh, Chris Bryant. I um, you could plug him in different places. Platooning uh, is an option. Um, I think I, I you know it, it, we always joke about how the, the Angels sacrifice pitching in order to to acquire position players but now with you know the free agent market sh you know shaped the way it is with with all the top pitchers off the board i wouldn't hate actually 
looking towards position players and then addressing the rotation via trade. So for me, the top two guys to look at right now are probably Brian and um, Correa. I wouldn't be surprised if they were in on uh, Trevor Story. I know earlier, at least earlier in the season, his name was linked to us quite a bit. I, I think a middle infielder of, of, of a top caliber is something that they should they think they could eye, and I think they will be. It's a perfect segue, I think, David, that you got to right there is because for me, best available free agent in my eyes, um, you know, the pitching, mar- the pitching market is barren and it's tough for free agents. And I think all three of us agree that the trade route is going to be the Angels' one and only move after probably Carlos Rodon. So yeah. for me, Chris Bryant is the free agent that I'm looking at the most because of this scenario in my mind. It could go two ways. The first way is the Angels trade for either Luis Castillo or Sonny Gray from the Reds. And I, in one trade, I, this would be a very low trade. I don't think the odds of this happening would be insane, but an interdivision trade with the Oakland A's for Sean Manaya because Oakland's got mm-hmm. some pieces they need to trade. If you trade for one of those guys, and at this point, you're probably going to have to lose Brandon Marsh or Joe Adele. If Perry Manassian finds a way to bring in a legitimate starting pitcher and not give up Adele and Marsh, he may have just worked himself into GM of the year kind of, you know, conversations. Um, But if you do lose Marsh or Adele to get an ace pitcher, Chris Bryant is quite an insurance policy option. His versatility that he brings, he can play any outfield position. He can play third base, even though we have Rendon, if Rendon needs a day off or something. He could be a nice backup first baseman. He played one game at shortstop, and even though he's never played a game of second base, I'm pretty sure if reuniting with Joe Madden and, you know, Madden says, hey, buddy, you want to get an infielder glove and play up the middle with David Fletcher? I'm pretty sure Chris Bryant's first response is, yes, sir, I'll do whatever you need to. We won a championship in 16 with the Cubbies. We'll do it again in Anaheim. Like, I love Chris Bryant's ability to be that versatile. He, his bat has decreased in the last couple of seasons, but he's still a quality player in the middle of your lineup and to balance him with Otani, Trout, Rendon, Walsh, all when healthy, I feel a nice piece. The Angels could go into that round. I know there was conversations between the Angels, the Padres, and the Mets. Those are the top three before the lockout that were speaking about Chris Bryant, but I like Chris Bryant. I think I've kicked the wheels on it a little bit, and I think as each time I talk about it more, I really like it, yeah. but if we go the trade market, what do the angels do? You could call any team and try to get their ACE, but that doesn't mean they're going to nibble and bite at your offer. The angels have had a long history with making deals with the Cincinnati Reds. And that's where I know you both like Sonny Gray. Yeah. Yeah. Either him, any of those trio of arms that they've mentioned about trading, I think would, would work really well. Let's, let's go top tier for a second. Luis Castillo, Cincinnati Reds. He's their ACE. Everybody's saying it's going to take a haul to bring him somewhere. What potentially would the Angels have to give to get somebody like a Castillo or an ace in a tradable market? 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, for Castillo specifically, I think Marsha and Adele have to be on the table. Like you literally can't get a deal done without one of those two. I think the sticking point would be what comes after that. And we saw the John Morosi report from a couple days ago that they have talked about Castillo, the Angels and the Reds, but the talks didn't advance very far because Cincinnati was asking for a lot. So maybe it's them asking for one of the others plus maybe Reed Detmers or Sam Bachman as well. And maybe the Angels are a little bit more hesitant to do that. But yeah, for Castillo specifically, it would need Marsha Adele. And I think it would be probably a good bit more than that. So that's probably, he's probably the best arm on the trade market right now, but that's also the toughest one to, to pull off. You know, I think it will cost us a haul to get Castillo and, he, and he's a valued arm, great pitcher. Um, you take it down a step to Sonny Gray, and David, I'll throw this one over to you. Sonny Gray, interesting arm. He had great days with the Oakland A's and then kind of has had some struggles when he was with the part of the Yankees rotation and right. has kind of had some up-and-down moments with Cincinnati. Could the Angels get away with trading for Gray and not letting Adele or Marsh go? Do you think that's even a possibility? Yes, yes I do. I think uh... – age is up there he's gonna be 33 next year so he's not a young guy and like you said his track record is is a little over the place and of his era last year was uh uh 4.19 so it's not like he's not an ace so he's not going to require marshall or Dell, i personally believe so i think like a maybe like a jose suarez gets it done and a couple other guys uh who would not cost you detmers or bachman or or Della marsh i think he's the safer route to go my my big concern with him has nothing to do with him personally or anything like that. I think there's going to be a lot of competition for Sonny Gray after this lockout ends. And that's where the Angels are going to run into trouble because some uh, systems like maybe the Dodgers, I think, would be an interesting landing spot for him. So I think there are going to be some deep farm systems that will be competing against the Angels for his services. And that, I think that's where it comes. That's where it becomes a problem for the Angels. But I think they have the assets if it was just one-on-one between them and the Reds, they have the assets that, that will require a trade for Sonny Gray that, that, that don't kill the farm system and don't deplete, you know, next year's outfield. So uh, the pieces are in place. It's just, I, I personally believe that market is going to really, really heat up. The second trades are, are good to go. If yeah. the whole market battles for Sonny Gray, like you predicted, like if the Dodgers get involved, the Yankees, or, you know, big name teams, Red Sox, Sox, something like that. And even though we think Adele and Marsh don't have to be in a deal for Sonny Gray to put the angels ahead of those bigger teams, maybe Adele and Marsh have to be in that conversation just to even get their name at the top of the list. You see, see, I'd probably hold off then. I would just, you, you, it sucks, but you probably have to rely on the young kids then, and hopefully they pan out. I don't think I'd blow it up for Sonny Gray. Yeah, good pitcher, but he's not the ace that's going to save this, save the rotation, save the staff. Correct. Yeah, right. I think if I'm trading a Deller Marsh, I need like an a top of the line like one two pitcher. Arm. 
Yeah, and I don't think I think Sonny Gray is a perfect like number three guy, and I think that's why I fit, he would fit in Anaheim because he could slot in right behind Otani and Syndergaard. But if it took a Deller Marsh, I don't think I'd want to do it for him. I think I'd rather just maybe take the risk on Rodon on the free agent market, or maybe yeah, go to I agree the A's and see what it would take to get one of their guys. Yeah, and next year's. I, I have yet to look at next year's free agent market in regards of starting pitchers. Um, yeah, the only just, one I knew was Barrios, but he signed his extension. So past that, I don't really know either. <laughs> yeah, it, it would be a tough road to hoe. You know, the Angels, you know, we've seen it before where they make a couple of moves and then, they're, and then they're, they stand pat, they're done, and they kind of roll with what they have. And the Angels do, they have young arms. Sandoval and Suarez prove themselves in 2021. Canning's trying to come back from an injury and Berea is still kind of, is he, he's kind of like Michael Lorenzen in a sense, bullpenny, but wants to be in the rotation. They kind of split in that sense. So the angels have young starting pitching that if there is no more pitching moves in the starting rotation, and this is what we have Otani, Syndergaard and Lorenzen. And then the young kids after that angels are going to have to roll with it. And hopefully they can continue playing well. And maybe once the July 31st trade deadline comes about, they make a splash in some way, but it's a very precarious situation because the angels could be looking at pitchers that we don't even know yet on the trade market, you know, with other teams, right. you know, so it, it's really hard to call, make those calls on the trades. We just know the Cincinnati, you know, the, the two or three for Cincinnati because those have been reported already. So yeah, and yeah, we, we, we know we, we know Cincinnati and Oakland are tearing it down, but we don't know the status of the other teams. So uh, there yeah. could be another seller on the market that we are a, totally unaware of. There was a Miami like rumor that they might be willing to trade one of their younger guys. And I know the Angels and the Marlins did have talks at the deadline that involved think the trade was brandon marsh for max meyer if i remember right and that got shot down so that could also be an option if they want to revisit that yeah now in a trade between two guys if the angels had to trade marsh or adele to get an ace who are you giving up cole would you give up marsh or adele that one's so tough man <laughs> it is, it is really tough. this is where the tough questions happen yeah, it's on the that, halos heaven podcast that one's really tough i think it's just whether you you value ceiling or floor because obviously adele is like adele has superstar level potential but i think his worst case scenario is a lot lower than marsh's i think i'd keep Adele because i think having another superstar potentially in that lineup would be huge but uh, it's hard because I really like Brandon Marsh as well. That'd be tough. Same answer, same answer, same reasons. It's it's a really, really tough call. Uh, I think we, we've all been riding with Adele this long. It, I, I just, I'm not ready to, to close the book on his Angels career. It just seems unfathomable to me. And I really like Marsh too, but you know, it's just the, like that, like, like, like Cole said, that star power, it's kind of tough to, to give up so easily, you know? The, yeah. that potential is it's there and we've seen it we've seen flashes this last season of, of how good he can be so yeah it's just a really tough opportunity to, to to pass up on seeing him stay in the angels uniform there's not many guys that i'd trade either one of them for though right like yeah, i think the, the, the only ones that come to mind are like i'd probably do one of them for castillo i'd i think i'd probably do one of them from frankie montas from the a's and then 
See, I don't even know if I do that because you ship them to, to Oakland that's, and then they become a problem for 10 years. Yeah, you know? they're going to they're gonna slap you every time they see you. Yeah. Yeah. 16 to 20 games a year. Yeah, and then right. the other one might be maybe Pablo Lopez from the Marlins. I really like him as a pitcher, but I'm also kind of worried about his shoulder issues that he's been having. So those are the only three that I consider it for, but... Yeah, it's tough. I don't envy Perry Manazian at this point. No, in the trade market, that. I don't either. But so you both are going to stay on the Adele train. So you're, you're going to leave Marsh off the island and surprise. Brandon Marsh is joining the show. I'm just kidding now. <laughs> <laughs> he was secretly in the wings and you just trashed him under the radar. But uh, honestly, for me, though, it is hard. And I, I do see where you guys are coming from with Adele. I think in a very short, small sample size that we saw in 2021, um, on initial instinct, I would, and it's, it's, it's almost like Sophie's choice at this point. It's like, you have yeah. two great stars. It's like, well, it's gotta be this one, or it's gotta be this one. Like, what yeah. is it? I would probably keep Brandon Marsh as of right now. And that's so hard for me to say, I think just because his consistency has been a little stronger than Joe Adele's yeah, that's yeah. Fair. and his defense is a little stronger than Adele's right now. And again, that's, yeah. it's not a knock to Adele at all by any means just basically just seeing what I saw in 2021 because Marsh gives for some reason, Marsh gives me a lot of um, our good old friend, the red Baron Cole Calhoun vibes for some reason, that speed, the defense and kind of the gap to gap kind of mentality at the plate. Yeah. Um, so I could see him as a top of the order um, if Fletcher's at the bottom or kind of vice versa in that sense. Sure. Yeah. So maybe right now, and maybe you can pull a bigger haul for Adele than you can with Mar. I, you know, I don't know, but on quick initial instinct, I would save Marsh barely, but it's like Sophie's choice. Yeah. And yeah. the thing is that different teams might value those guys differently. Like maybe one team prefers Adele based on where they're at. Maybe one team prefers Marsh. Like it's, it's all a matter of personal choice with those two. And that's the beauty of the trade market where I don't envy Perry Manassian. Yes. (laughs) The trade market is going to be so, I feel once the gates open and the lockouts over, the trade market might even be stronger than the free agent market in the sense. Yeah. Just because so many of those free agents have already come off the board already. So the teams, the teams that missed out are going to have to scramble for one of those guys. Yeah. So in general, Angels have Syndergaard, Loop, Lorenzen, Iglesias locked and loaded for 2021. Their Angels are focusing on pitching, and it's a great start. Is this where we want to end? No, but it's a great start, and it's movement in the right direction, which is what us and Angels fans want to see, especially for players like Trout and Otani to find success in trying to win that championship at the end of the day. Now, with the lockout now happening, who is one player – you are surprised that has not been signed that you thought was going to get signed first day of free agency. Um, I have my choice. I'll put it out there first. Freddie Freeman. I am. I have the obvious one. I think that's, you know, pardon me for, do you think he's waiting for the DH? (laughs) Do you think he's waiting for the DH stuff? So you can make more money as a, especially in those later years, because he could DH with the brace increases his value for sure. I wouldn't hold it against him. I think after winning a World Series championship, that monkey's off his back. And I think, I think he feels a little more freer to do what he wants. But for me, I'm kind of dropped to the floor. Like when I think of the Braves, I think Freddie Freeman. And yeah. I, he, he's someone that reminds me of like, he's the Mike Trout of the Atlanta Braves. Like I could never see him wearing another uniform like ever. 
And there's potentials that the Dodgers, you know, are trying with Muncie's injury right now. He could go to the Dodgers and kind of go there and come back to California where he's from. Um, and I love John Hammond's quote, the LA native can come back. It's like, no dude, he was born and raised in, in OC. Like he was an angels fan. Let's yes. not, let's not disrespect <laughs> orange County. here. His folks. favorite player was Garrett Anderson. Yeah. Like left-handed Pat uh, power bats, but for me, it, no doubt it's Freddie Freeman, who's a surprise that has not been scooped up, at least by the Braves at this point. So, David, for you, is there somebody that you're just kind of like dropped to the floor? Like, how the heck is he still available at this point? Yeah, it's it's kind of between um, Clayton Kershaw and Kenley Jansen. Kershaw, I thought, you know, how quickly the Rangers are moving, that if they were going to get him, that this would be a prime opportunity before the lockout since, you know, they were just piling on uh, – uh, contract after contract, and I think they they, they set a record for most spending in an offseason or in a day or something like that. Half, and, half a billion dollars? Yeah, and uh, so if they were going to get him, I thought that would be it. Also, you know, the Dodgers lost Scherzer. I thought the rational move was right after that to, to bring Kershaw back. And then Kenley Jansen uh, with, you know, a little bit of the reliever market moving. Um, he's a He's a solid – closer and I, I feel like there's a lot of mutual interest with the Dodgers and bringing him back so um for me the, those are two logical things at least for a local team in the Dodgers to to make a, a quick move on especially Kershaw so I'm surprised that Kershaw's still available yeah as far as Jansen is concerned I think I think a lot of the closer market was actually waiting for Rysel to to make his decision because right after we saw him sign we also saw Melanson sign and we saw Corey Knable sign for closer money so I think that's probably the reason there but I do agree that I kind of expected Kershaw to either decide Dodgers or Rangers by now right yeah because I know Kershaw ended last season injured yeah and I know there was rumors that at least back at the end of the season like was he going to need surgery? How, how much was he going to be out potentially of 2022 and so on and so forth? So I wonder if that takes the cake for the reason why well, maybe his free agency is a little slower. Yeah, we yeah, still possibly. don't have a concrete answer on that, do we? Like, like, what? But he, they knew it was an arm injury, but they never yeah. said what part of the arm, shoulder, elbow, wrist. Like It's just kind of a state of unknown with Kershaw at this moment. And you saw what happened with Muncie where, you know, the, there his was thumb a is not bit of yeah, where, where it, you know, sprain turns into a tear or whatever, and he's out probably until August of this year already. So maybe even longer. So um, who knows? Who really knows what's going on with him? But uh, I would have thought, you know, with, with Taylor giving the daughters the home team discount that, you know, Kershaw wouldn't have this huge contract and probably still prefer to stay with the Dodgers. And I thought that would be done by now. I really did, even even with the injury history. Yeah, it's a hard – it's a hard – it's a hard um, – what's the right word for this? not pill to swallow because Kershaw's won a ring. He's made his money. So for him, it's, I would say business as usual. And he's yeah. just kind of going through the free agent, you know, motions at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it is with a, him. It's the precarious. thing with him is that he's still very good when he's healthy. Right. Like, right. but it's, yeah. that's just been a problem recently. So maybe teams are a little scared about that. Yeah. So it's an interesting case to be, I feel there's, you know, there's probably a thousand different options at this point. You know, I know I've read some, places that Nick Castellano still being available is a, is a shock to many that need an outfielder at this point, um, yeah. which, Hey, if the angels uh, have to trade Adele or Marsh, maybe Nick Castellanos <laughs> instead of Chris Bryan, who the <laughs> heck knows? And 
the funny thing is we were talking about Chris Bryant and Joe Madden being a reunion. Technically Castellanos played with the Cubs during the Joe Madden era. So again, how in our conversations on this podcast, it all relates to Joe Madden's former history with players. Seems like he's liked his former players based on his, uh, the moves they made so far, at least last off season. (laughs) Yeah. So there's always some sort of a way when it comes to Joe Madden, having his, his pick of the letter with his former for, with his former castmates, but a lot of free agent frenzy to be had once the lockout is lifted, which is unfortunately TBD to be decided between the owners and commissioner and the MLB players union. So we have to sit back and, we have to enjoy the holidays without baseball at this moment. My early projected guess, as we will talk minimally here for a second here near the end of the podcast on the MLB lockout, is my initial reaction is a deal doesn't get done until after the new year. I think yeah. they're going to spend December, um, and I'm thinking it's going to happen in mid-January after MLK weekend, and it's going to be a quick two-and-a-half, three-week dash of free agency and trades that's going to make our heads spin as people of the media um, before pitchers and catchers report in the beginning of February. That's just my initial instincts on the negotiation talks timeline wise. Yeah. I think, I think the date to watch for personally is February 1st. Cause I think if you go that long without a deal or momentum toward a deal, it starts to get a little dicey because Spring training's obviously mid-February, and that's the point where you start to lose out on money. So I think I think they'll get it done by then just because they both know that they can't be canceling games at this point. But I think it might take a while until then, and it might be very long and very painful negotiations. But I think probably the beginning of February would be my guess. But who really knows at this point, honestly? Yeah, David, what do you think? Like, we know it's going to go into 2022. I, I feel if anything happened yeah. before, even if it's before Christmas, I think we'd all be shocked that both sides actually figured their stuff out in a doable amount of time. Yeah. I remember reading during the last C- CBA negotiations that this year was, was going to be rough. Even, even five, six years ago that they, they circled this year as being a problem. Um, from the sound of things, they're nowhere near close to finding any sort of common ground early February, mid-February. My guess is probably mid-February they get something done. I would not be surprised if games were canceled, especially, you know, going into March. I, they just sound so far apart. I really hope I'm wrong on this one. But it's going to be sticky. It's going to be ugly. Um, we've already seen it on day one, players and um, LB going at it, uh, especially with the, the, the picture thing and um, – <laughs> The whole website. Rob, the way, Rob the Ma- biggest waste of time I feel yeah. in baseball. I feel bad for but, the graphic designer who had to go in and scratch everything off. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot of work. But uh, we, you know, Rob Manfred probably didn't help this case today. You know, um, the, the owners are going to try to bleed this thing as much as they can to get as much money for themselves. And you know, it's just it, it's going to be a war. Just buckle up. It's going to be a war. I don't think we're going to have anything to. We're not going to lack any talking points. I think this is going to be ugly, and I think it's going to be published too. Um, oh, absolutely! I feel it's always a public, it's a public smear of affection that they have a disdain for each other, but they're going yeah. to try to do it nicely with subtle jabs until the deal is done. And once the deal is done, 
they'll shake hands, kiss babies as if nothing bad ever happened. Right. At yeah. the end of the day, at the end of the day, canceling games costs everybody money and nobody wants to lose money. So they're going to get, I, I really do think they're going to get something worked out, but it's going to, it's going to be a wildfire until that point. Yeah. The only part of the negotiations that's actually been put forth in the media is the proposed playoffs that are going to potentially and probably will be expanded. We don't know to what depth, but I want to get your guys' opinion on the proposed playoff plan that came out a couple days ago. And it's kind of a numerous process. It's seven teams from the AL, seven teams from the NL, so a 14-team playoff format. The best record in the AL and NL get a first-round bye, just kind of like the NFL. Then if you're ranked in seeding purposes of two, three, or four, you would host seeds five, six, and seven, but you get to choose who you play and you get all three games at home. That part of the puzzle is where I cross the line a little bit. It's like, what are we all like sixth graders on the kickball choosing their teams? Yeah. Yeah. I'm cool with expanding the playoffs. You know, I think that, the point of expanding the playoffs that's going to suck is if teams that are kind of baselining 500 or sub 500 get in, I think that's going to tip the scales a little bit and not make it great. Yeah. But the first round by doesn't bother me. If you have, if you have the best record, that doesn't bother me. Seeds two, three, four playing five, six, seven doesn't bother me. It's when you start picking and choosing who you're playing. That's where right. it's like, who's making that decision at that point. So Cole, what do you think about this proposed playoff bullet point format juggernaut? Uh, it's definitely strange. <laughs> like it's uh, definitely it reminds me of the NFL. Like the first thing I think of is NFL playoffs. Yeah. Cause that's what they do right now. It's a uh, first, first seed gets a buy and then it's two, seven, uh, three, six, four, five. Yeah. But I, I don't think I like the 14 teams. Like, I think I wouldn't mind going to 12, but I think 14 is where you might get, like, you might get some not great teams in there. But I do I do think the idea of the buy is intriguing, and I do think the, the three-round or the three-game first round is also interesting because it kind of eliminates the randomness of the wild card game, which is fun, but you also have some very good teams that go home after one game. So I think... I wouldn't mind the the three game wild card series that they've talked about, but I think everything else is where they kind of start to lose me there. I think I prefer shorter and then picking teams is just kind of very strange. Very child's play. Yeah. David, what do you think uh, of the the juggernaut laughable situation that we're probably going to have to endure at some point? Yeah. I'm with you on the whole picking opponent thing is ridiculous. Um, I'm all over the place, though, when it comes to the rest of the, the, the proposal, I guess. Um, I'm going to wear my biases on my sleeve for a second. This would definitely help the Angels. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> a, team that's almost, a team that's almost always around 500. And, and in the past, when they were competing for playoff spots, they would miss it by like a game or two. That This would have put them in. So uh, yes. Toronto in the playoffs Tor- is always a good thing. Toronto and Seattle are probably crying right now. Right. Wishing that, why couldn't this be 2021? Right. And so, and I, and so many times we've been through that with, you know, as Angels fans. And, and I think the buy is, is, is both a good idea and a bad idea in that, you know, sometimes you want to keep playing games, especially if you hit a hot streak right at the end. You don't want a, that, that long break. 
um, I know it helps arms and stuff, but it could it could cool off a, um, a lineup. So there's there's pluses and minuses with with the option of a buy, and then also um, a downside would be it just you know 162 game season just doesn't mean much anymore. It's right it it, it sort of lessens the intensity of regular season baseball and that you have, you know, 14 teams making it. So there's more room for error. It's like, you know, that's what makes college football so exciting. You lose two games, you're pretty much eliminated from a playoff. So I think, you know, in such tight division races, expanding does take away some of that enjoyment from the regular season and some of that intensity that, that people feel, especially in September. But as an Angels fan, I would love it. It, it would just it would it would help get us to the playoffs more. <laughs> just take the extra spots where they're available. Who cares who yeah, we're playing the first I, I, in the wild card round? I don't, just go. I don't care if we get in legitimately. Let's just get in there and see what happens. Having Otani and Trout in the playoffs is good for baseball. It just is. So exactly pluses and minuses. And uh, you know this this proposal and the whole MLB lockout process. You know it all comes down to money. Who gets the revenue share? Who gets benefits? Right. And you know I'm. I'm not going to get deep dive into the numbers at this point because it's just players want what they want. Ownership and commissioner wants what they want. And it's a battle of millionaire and billionaires and other factors going into it. And that's just not, that's over our heads here, folks. We're, we're here. We're, in predicting, we are not experts. We are not experts in labor negotiations. We are not. Just to say that. I'm a liberal <laughs> arts major. Okay. I don't know business <laughs> and math. We, we got rid of math. I took, we, we all take our one little math class in college and call it a day and that stuff never exactly. comes back. We know how to add, we know how to subtract, we know how to multiply and we know how to divide. That's all we need to do in this life. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so much to get into. Free agent frenzy is on a pause with the MLB lockout. So angels have some work to do. A lot of teams in major league baseball have some work to do as we get towards the end. Uh, but for right now, that is another episode of the Halo 7 podcast with your hosts, Dominic Lorenz, Cole Bailey, and David Goodkind. Until next time, we will have much more coverage at making predictions at some point. We're going to get together. That's all we can do. At we might finally point. do that mailbag as well that we've been talking I, I have a feeling <laughs> we're going to have, we're gonna have I, time. <laughs> I think we're going to do a mailbag and maybe do it on Twitter spaces, do a live mailbag and see what we can do. You know, we got to spice it up here. It's December. It's the holidays. People are going to... We got to find something to talk about too. People are getting stressed and crazy with the holidays. So why not add another stressor and let's do a live Twitter and see what the heck can happen live on social media. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll see how that goes. We'll see how that goes. You, we, see, we sound so confident right off the bat. We sound confident <laughs> as heck right now. But for now, I'm Dominic Lorenz. That's Cole Bailey and David Goodkind. Thanks for joining us here on the Halo 7 podcast. And until next time, keep looking on the Halos Heaven website for our 2021 player reviews, minor league player interviews coming up now with the lockout. And uh, you never know, check us out on Twitter when we do our fabulous Twitter space at some point. Until next time, cheers to baseball, and hopefully you return to us very, very soon.